Turn your Bible to Psalm 23. Look at that this morning. It's also printed in the bulletin. Psalm 23 this week, um, we were working with the kids on memorizing Psalm 23. I think it's a great passage for people to memorize. You should ask yourself why you should memorize any scripture passage. Uh, this one's a great help to you uh, any any point in your life, uh, all, all through your life. That's uh, a great one to memorize. So uh, we were working with the kids on it. When we first started, uh, you know, going over that first verse over and over again, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We asked them, what do you think that means? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And the response was, Jesus is my shepherd and I don't want him to be. <laughs> no. He's my shepherd, I shall not want. <laughs> so, that's wonderfully honest, but it's not exactly what the psalm is saying. Uh, the psalm is saying, I'm glad that he's my shepherd. I'm glad that he's my shepherd because he, he being my shepherd, I, I have everything I could ever want. Because he is my shepherd, I have everything I could ever want. And the psalm is insisting this. It's insisting this. This is the claim of the one who says this psalm, especially when it's hard to believe, especially when, honestly, we're kind of prone to say, he's the shepherd I don't want. He's, I don't, didn't want this kind of shepherd. Not him. And uh, you've got to realize this isn't a natural statement for any of us to make. The Lord is my shepherd. And we're on board with that. It's not a natural statement. Um, that I'm perfectly content with his shepherding. As a Christian, sometimes you feel that. Sometimes you really do feel that. And the praise and the celebration just sort of bubbles forth. Uh, but oftentimes you're not really feeling it. And so you use this psalm to insist on the truth of God's good care for you. To insist on it. To cling to it when it's hard to believe. To remember that it is true, even though it may not seem like it. It is true that God is good to you. As Paul writes in his second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 5, he says, we don't walk by sight. We look around at the circumstances of our lives, and we might not think that they testify very well to a good shepherd. But we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. We hold on to this by faith. So no matter the circumstances we might see, in life, no matter the perspective we have on it, the, the judgments we make about the circumstances of our lives. This psalm is the contention of our faith that the Lord is our shepherd, and so we have everything we could ever want. That's something you can only believe when you know the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's what we're going to talk about. Let's pray, then we'll read the scripture. <clears throat> Father, you've done so much in sending your son Jesus into the world. You've done so much in having all these scriptures recorded and translated and, and gotten into our hands so that we can know who you are, so that we can trust you. Even so, it would be impossible for us to muster up our own faith, so we pray for your Holy Spirit's help now that you would do that work that really only you can do and help us to see Jesus and help us to trust in him. As we consider your word this morning, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise be to you, O Christ. So it's a beautiful psalm. It's a beautiful picture of the rest, the deep rest that we find for our souls as we know the Lord to be our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And the rest that comes along with that, the real rest. We can rest in his care. We can rest in our hope for our future with him. We can rest in him. We can rest in him, as Jesus has said in John 10, I am the good shepherd. He put that together with what he said in Matthew 11, Come to me and I will give you rest. I'm the good shepherd who gives you rest, what Jesus says. For all eternity, God has known that we would need this shepherd. He's known that we would need this rest. He gave examples throughout the scriptures of good shepherds that reflect something about who God is as the good shepherd. Adam, right there at the beginning of the scriptures. His son Abel. Noah. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, family business. Moses. Joshua. David. They were all literal shepherds of sheep and or shepherds of God's people. That's what they're called. And God gave promise after promise, not just examples of good shepherds, but promise after promise that he himself would be the divine good shepherd that his people needed and that he would set up one from the house of the shepherd king, David, it's what David was, just a shepherd boy, become king. But one from his house would be the, the human good shepherd that God's people needed. And in the God-man Jesus Christ, we have both the divine and the human good shepherd that we need. He left heaven to come to earth to seek and to save the lost. It's a big theme in Luke's gospel where he tells at least one parable uh, he's the good shepherd who leaves the 99 in the open country to go after a lost one, to find it, and to carry it home safe on his shoulders, rejoicing and calling all of his friends to rejoice with him. And it's a picture of his intimate personal care, his investment, his deep personal investment in his sheep as he cares for them. So when he came, he saw crowds in the desolate places, it says in Mark 6, that he, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. That's a detail included, on the green grass. And he fed them, and he took care of them. John 10, again, he says that he's the good shepherd. He knows his own. He has a personal relationship with them. He knows them better than he knows himself. Uh, they, they know themselves. He knows us better than we know ourselves as his sheep, and he lays down his life 
He lays down his life for the sheep because, this is one of the big setups throughout all the Old Testament in Isaiah 53, all we like sheep have gone astray. What do sheep do? They go astray. That's what they do. That's what we do. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord, Yahweh, has laid on him, our good shepherd, the iniquity of us all. Laid on him the iniquity of us all. So it says, sort of wrapping up this tour through the scriptures really quick, in First Peter chapter 2, he himself, Jesus himself, bore our sins, our iniquities, as I said in Isaiah 53, in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you've been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls, the good shepherd, Jesus, who laid down his life for the sheep. So the Lord Jesus, he's taken care of us, even when it meant his own death on our behalf. Even though that was necessary, we all got ourselves into the deep trouble we were in because we're the kind of people who stray and run from the good shepherd. That's why we're in that mess of sin in the first place. We're the kind of people who stray and run away from the good shepherd. And that's where you really see Jesus shine, if you will, in Psalm 23 as we read it. When you pray it, when you pray Psalm 23... As one who knows yourself to be the straying kind. You know yourself to be the straying kind, like the Bible identifies us. <clears throat> and we can laugh about it, we do, uh, when we have new members join the church. Um, but it's so true that being a sheep in Christ's flock, being a member of his church, really means at a very basic level that we just haven't been able to get away from him. We've been unsuccessful in our attempts at straying and wandering. He's always brought us back. We can't get away from him. He's that good a shepherd. So we sing, when we sing, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. By nature, I'm the kind of person who would say, The Lord is the shepherd I shall not want. He's the shepherd I don't want. And that's the main thing that's wrong with people like us. That's exactly what the good shepherd always has to work with. It's exactly what he has to overcome as he cares for people like us. The fact that we don't really want him to be our shepherd. And we are the kind of people who stray. We don't even know what good green pasture really is. We don't. We wander off the path of righteousness all the time. Nevertheless, Jesus, the good shepherd, he's the one who knows what's best for us. He's the one who arranges everything in our lives in order to bring about what's best for us. And ultimately, he's the one who stays with us through thick and thin, which is what we really need for him to be with us, just to be with us through everything. That's what we really need. So we don't know what good green pasture really is. We might wish that uh, good green pasture and refreshing streams could look like an easy, comfortable existence. Don't you assume that when you read this? 
An easy, comfortable existence surrounded by pleasant people and every material comfort. Isn't that what it means to be without want? Isn't it? A life without ever losing your job. A life without divorce or breakups. A life without cancer. When those things hit, the first thought on our minds isn't, oh, green pastures and sweet waters. It's not. We don't think it's green pastures. They sure feel like the desolate places. They feel like the turbulent and tumultuous places. But the Good Shepherd takes care of us in every kind of circumstance. Every kind. Giving us true rest in every place, in the desolate places, in His loving care. That's where the real rest is. It's in His loving care. It's in His presence even if we're in the desolate places in life, in the wilderness of the world, the good green pasture that really satisfies all of our deepest longings really say, I shall not want. I shall not be in want. I will have everything I ever needed and wanted. The good green pasture is the knowledge of God that comes through his revelation of himself. It's your relational knowledge of God which we have in the Scriptures, but especially in Jesus Christ Himself, who is the very Word of God, the very revelation of God in the flesh, come to be with His people. That's the good green pastures that we need. When Jesus came and He saw all those people in the desolate places, you find this in the the accounts of the Gospel over and over again, uh, these parallels call attention to the fact that He had compassion on these people like sheep, Without a shepherd, he had compassion, and so he sat them down in the green grass, in their groups, like flocks, like like parts of his flock. And what did he do? He fed them all. He didn't feed them grass, because people don't eat grass. He fed them bread. And what did he say? I'm the bread. I'm the bread. I'm taking care of you. Here's the bread. It's me. It's me. Jesus Christ, the crucified one, the risen one, the risen Lord, is himself your green pasture. And continuing in verse 1, in the Hebrew, literally, it says, He leads me besides waters of rest. Waters of rest. The Good Shepherd refreshes us with the waters of the river of life which is a biblical picture of his giving us his own Holy Spirit so that the life of God and the love of God would always be with us, even in us. At any and every time, doesn't matter the circumstances. At any time, at every time, you may eat Jesus Christ and drink the Holy Spirit and have everything you could ever truly need or want because of that. It's our relationship with God that truly sustains us. It's our relationship with God that truly gives us rest at all times, even when the circumstances themselves are not restful, even when the other kids are picking on you at school or in your house, even when you've lost all your money and belongings, even when your spouse's health is failing and you're not sure what's going to happen. It might not be your instinct to pray. Psalm 23 at times like that. But it's exactly what you need to remember. It's exactly what you need to insist upon 
and cling to and claim when your life feels like aimless wandering through trackless wastes. Your circumstances may not look like green pastures and refreshing streams. And it's precisely at moments like that that you need to remember that the Good Shepherd always, at any and every time, has green pastures and refreshing streams for you. Ready for your provision, ready for your sustenance at any moment when you remember the gospel. Whenever you reflect on the perfect care of your Heavenly Father and the sacrifice of Christ who loved you and gave himself for you. And the very life of God that's made yours forever through the Holy Spirit who lives in you. We usually have our own ideas, our own agendas for the the restoration and flourishing of our lives, our souls. We know what human flourishing should be. I know what it would look like in my life. We think we know how God's guidance should appear to us, should come to us, the open doors and the closing doors and a nearly audible voice clearly indicating the right direction to the success that we're imagining for ourselves. We might think that we already know the best paths for our own lives, the way to get to success as we imagine it. We definitely tend to think about all of this in ultimately selfish ways, self-centeredness. But the Good Shepherd leads us in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. He knows what true righteousness is. He knows what's best for us and for his kingdom. He knows what constitutes a life of goodness and righteousness. And he knows that it really means that we'll ultimately become more concerned with his name than we are with our own ideas of our own success in this life. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You see, I think I happen to know what path is best for me, and it sure doesn't include the valley of the shadow of death. No way I'm going through there if it's all up to me. That path leads to nobody's idea of success. Obviously, any good shepherd would steer us clear of that, and so we pray, Lord, spare me from the valley of the shadow of death. Isn't that how the prayer goes? But apparently the Lord isn't interested in taking a nice, quiet saunter together through a Thomas Kincaid painting. The valley of the shadow of death seems to be the only open route on the map for him to get any of us where we're going together with him. He knows you're not going to like that very much. He knows that. And like any sheep who thinks he knows better than the shepherd... You will be off and running at the first sign of discomfort in your uninformed interest of self-protection. You see where he's taken you as a threat. So you bolt. You'll see the danger. You'll assess the threat. Your perception, your judgment, your sight will override your trust in the shepherd. That's normal. That happens to all of us. But he knows better. And where you're prone to stray, he will keep you on the path, even when that seems like a cruel threat to your well-being. Even when it seems like that to you. To take you through that valley of the shadow of death, that's a a cruel threat to your well-being. 
Well, he's going to take you through there. And that's one of the main functions of the shepherd's instruments to keep us on that path. The rod and the staff that are talked about here, they're for defending against external threats, yes, but far more frequently in the shepherd's business. The rod and staff are used to discipline the sheep, to keep them safe from their own willful stupidity, from their lack of good judgment, from the things they don't understand, to keep them on the right path, going where they should be going, according to the good shepherd's wisdom. So when you pray this psalm through faith in Jesus Christ, then you're saying you appreciate this aspect of the good shepherd. You appreciate this, that he is able to keep you from all evil, including, maybe even first and foremost, the evil into which you are prone to cast yourself. I'm so glad that he can keep me from that. You're saying you're thankful that he hasn't let you get away from himself. You're prone to wander, but he'll get you. That's what he does because he's the good shepherd, and you're saying, I'm thankful that you won't let me stray from yourself. You're saying that even the valley of the shadow of death, even that place, it isn't the great dreadful evil, not if the good shepherd is there with you. And that's the great counterintuitive truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, is that what seems like death is actually the path to true life. You see it in the life of Christ himself. In order to rise to resurrection glory, to be seated at God's right hand forever, he first had to suffer death on the cross. He gave everything up first. He's gone there first. Through that whole valley of shadow of death hike. He's led the way for us. He's promised to be there with us as we walk the same path that he's already walked. He calls us to take up our crosses and to follow him and to deny ourselves and to lose ourselves, even to die to ourselves and so to find our lives in him, not apart from him, in him and with him. So when the good shepherd leads you on that path, it's a path sometimes we refer to as discipline, It feels like death because it is death. It's death to self. But it's the path to true spiritual life, the path of the beloved Son himself, as it says in Hebrews chapter 12, which cites Proverbs 3, which is a passage the king addresses his son. He says, Be wise, son. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. I'm thankful that your rod and your staff are with me and comfort me. Continuing in Hebrews 12, it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. The king is treating you as his son. When you're enduring discipline, when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death and he's using his rod and staff to keep you on the path that you would rather stray from. It's because God's treating you as sons. So what is there to fear when we know that the Good Shepherd is always with us, that he's gone before us, 
that even the valley of the shadow of death is a place He is leading us through because He cares for us and because He knows what's best for us. You can be in places of real pain, real confusion and loss and grief and depression and sadness. You can even be facing the very real deterioration and death of your own body. But you can always find real rest in his presence right there in the midst of those places. Always. Derek Kidner has some commentaries on the Psalms that are great. He said that only the Lord can lead a man through death. All other guides turn back and the traveler must go on alone. Only the Lord can lead a man through death because he's been there. Spare me from the valley of the shadow of death might be a normal prayer, but it isn't the best one. It isn't the best one. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. That's the best one. You are with me. That's just who our good shepherd is. Jesus is Emmanuel. He's God with us, and he's always that. His goodness, skipping ahead to the the end of the the passage, his, his goodness and his gracious love will pursue you all your days. They'll, they'll track you, and they'll hunt you down, and you won't be able to escape. Even in the darkest days, you won't be able to shake him. And the end result of it all is eternal life, dwelling in the house of the Lord with him, in his presence, face to face, forever. Do you believe that? If so then let this psalm shape your prayers. Do you have a hard time believing that? Then let this psalm shape your prayers. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we're just sheep who um, are prone to wander. We've all strayed. We've all gone our own ways. We've all done what's Uh, in our own minds, what we think is best for us in our lives, and we've broken it all miserably. Nevertheless, you sent your Son to be our Savior and the Good Shepherd that we really need, even though we're the kind of people who um, don't want him to be our Shepherd, don't want to follow him, don't trust him. Nevertheless, you've pursued us, you've tracked us down, and uh, you've caught us and found us and carried us home on your shoulders rejoicing, Lord Jesus. So we're thankful for this biblical picture of you as a shepherd, our good shepherd. We pray that that reality would take hold in our hearts and in our minds, especially as we walk through those hard places in life. We pray that you would help us by the power of your Holy Spirit to trust in your, your life and your death and your resurrection to trust in your guidance, your leading, your discipline, to trust that in all things and at at every time and in every way, you are doing what's best for us. You are leading us in paths of righteousness for your name's sake, and you will bring us home to be with you forever so we can live with you where you are in the presence of your Father and ours. We pray that this uh, great truth of who you are and what you've done for us and what you will do for us would be central to our thinking, to our feeling, to our prayers, 
to our profession, to the way that we talk with others, whether our brothers and sisters in the church or those outside the church. We pray that we would proclaim you and and claim you to be the good shepherd that we need as a gift of your grace. We pray this in your name. Amen.